This is the Action Network Podcast. That's when you have fun. When you're kicking somebody's ass and they're sucking for win. That was good. Ready? Go. Inbounder on the baseline. Foul. And a steal! Last chance to dead! Way outside. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Brendan Glasheen, joined by Action's Director of Predictive Analytics, Sean Kerner, and his reliable sidekick, Predictive Analytics Analyst, Nick Giffen. Today, March Madness opening round player props. 84th edition of the dance is underway with the first four. Check out our pre-Madness episodes already up. March Madness betting trends. Mike Calabrese and our director of research at Action, Evan Abrams. We also have the Giffen Guide to March Madness. Yes, this Nick Giffen on this podcast right now. Great stuff from Nick there. If you're looking for deep dives into every game of the first round, of course, check out our Big Bets on Campus podcast. Everyone contributing this time of year. Extensive breakdowns are also available on actionnetwork.com and the Action app as well. Gents, let's dive in. Player props for the dance. Of course, you can track all of these player props in the Action app. They've run their models. And I will say now, we will be with you throughout the tournament. So this isn't the only time you'll hear from us. We'll be with you. Sweet 16, so on and so forth. Kerner, get us started, my friend. What do you got? Let's go. Uh, So for my first prop, I'm going Drew Pembar of UNC Asheville under 20 and a half points. So Pember, he's averaged 21.2 points per game this season, while UNC Asheville has averaged 75 points a game. Now they get to face UCLA, who not only do they play at a slow pace, they rank first in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency metric. UNC Asheville's team total is all the way down to 58 and a half here. That's 17 points lower than their season average. So it's going to be tougher for Pember to get points here. Plus, just based on the matchup, it's going to be tougher for Pember. He gets a ton of production at the free throw line. He actually led the entire Division One in free throws made this season with 262. He's a great free throw shooter, shoots 83%. But UCLA sends opposing teams to the line at a lower rate than most schools. So he might not get to the line as much this game. He's going to have to face you know, UCLA's great defense. It's just a really tough matchup. Plus, Asheville's also likely going to turn it over a ton here. UCLA has generated the 11th highest turnover rate in Division One, So that just means there's going to be fewer possessions where it's going to end in a shot attempt. So there's a ton of reasons to love his under here. He's a great player, but we're projecting him closer to 18 and a half points with a 61% chance of staying under 20 and a half. Love it. No Jalen Clark for you, uh, UCLA, yeah. but Hawkes is likely the, the draw as far as the matchup. So uh, Pembers put up numbers, but when you got Hawkes defending you, it could be a long day. Nick Giffen, you're going to go to the Midwest for your first pick. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. Yeah, first of all, I am definitely tailing Sean on that pick. And uh, last year when he and I were on the same picks, <laughs> we hit it over 70% rate. So I'm 100% with him on this one. I love that Drew Pember under there. So for my first pick, I am going to go with Serge Jabari Rice of the Texas Longhorns against Colgate. And I'm going to take over one and a half assists at minus 125. This one is all about the matchup. Colgate, they are slightly up-tempo, so that obviously helps overs. They also 
are a below average shot stopping team. And they're even worse when it's schedule adjusted, right? Because they've played a really weak schedule. So if you're below average shot stopping team, then more field goals are going to be made against you. So that should help Serge Barry's rice assists because, you know, his teammates are going to be making more of their shots. Colgate also does not force turnovers. So more of those possessions are going to end in field goal attempts also because Colgate doesn't foul. So they're not sending Texas to the line to end a, a possession. That means again, more field goal attempts. And, and so all those field goal attempts and, and a really high field goal rate because Colgate doesn't have a great defense in terms of, you know, forcing teams to miss a lot of assists to go around. In fact, only 11.9% of points scored against Colgate come by way of the free throw line, which means the other, you know, 88 or so percentage of the points are scored via field goals, which is number one in the nation. In other words, Colgate allows the most points of any team in terms of a fraction of the points they allowed uh, by way of field goals. So I love this over on Serge Barry Rice here. Not only do I have him over one and a half assists, but we're projecting 2.6. So if you can find plus money on like an over two and a half, I even like that. But over one and a half, we've got a 72% chance of going over here. Colgate played Auburn in the non-conference, their lone top 100 team, and they allowed 93 points. Four players in that game had at least two assists for Auburn against the Colgate Raiders. So that tempo does fare well, especially if Auburn can impose its will defensively. I like it. Moving on, Kerner, second pick for us. You're going to the East region, the late night tip featuring Tennessee and Louisiana. Yeah, so I'm going with Themis Folks of Louisiana to not make a three-pointer. So under a half three made at minus 115. Uh, so he's only made a three in six of 21 conference games. That's a 29% hit rate. Now he gets to face Tennessee, who has allowed the lowest three-point percentage in the country at just 26%. So are you are you kidding me with this prop? Um, so even if you want to go with the theory that he might shoot more threes due to Louisiana likely trailing for most of the game, he only made one three-pointer and their seven losses combined this season. So there goes that theory, swatted out of here. So we're projecting him with a 70% chance of not making a three-pointer here. So I love the fact that we're getting this at essentially a coin flip. So it could be a long day. It's up for the faint of heart. He'll probably chuck up, I'd say like two. We're going to have to, you know, sweat an attempt or two or maybe three. But uh, just the chances of him hitting one are, are I would say, unlikely here. I just love Sean, you know, swatting it out of here, getting his <laughs> getting his first rejection of the tournament in there. <laughs> Goes without saying, everybody, when you when you tune in, you you want to get on these as fast as possible. The market yes. moves so quickly on the player props, so that juice uh, could be significant if you don't jump in ASAP. I don't tell you what to do with your money. Don't tell me what to do with mine. Okay. Instantly, I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. I love y'all very much. Back to the Midwest. Nick Giffen's all over the Midwest for our first player prop episode you got the funk giffen what do you think of andrew oh, yeah. funk we are bringing the funk andrew funk and uh like sean i'm gonna take an under this time i'm gonna take under three and a half rebounds for penn state here against texas a&m and funk he's not a high offensive rebound percentage guy he grabs just 0.9 percent of offensive rebound opportunities so i'm not really worried about him on the offensive glass 
where we're really you know worried about could he crack this three and a half number would be on the defensive glass where he has a nine percent defensive rebound rate well on the defensive glass, he really gets hurt in this matchup. First of all, Texas A&M, just in general, they're a slower-paced team, so fewer overall possessions. But Texas A&M is also sixth in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. So that means they're preventing defensive rebounds for their opponents, which, you know, Andrew Funk is his opponent, their opponent this week. Uh, even Sean and I, we've even adjusted the offensive rebounding percentage of each team and so we've taken into account that texas a&m has played an easy schedule for their offensive rebounding and they're still 34th in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage when we schedule adjust it so that is taken into account there uh which is still contributing to andrew funk going under here texas a&m also uh, they get to the line a whole lot when they're on offense, meaning fewer defensive rebound opportunities. Because if you're at the line, you're making typically making a bunch of free throws, uh, which have a lower percent chance of missing. They also are an inside shooting team. They take 56.3% of their field goals from inside compared to a national average of 52.7. So again, a higher percentage uh, of making shots when they do take shots. And Texas A&M is sloppy with the ball. They come in 54th out of 68 teams in this tournament in turnover percentage. So a lot of their possessions are ending in turnovers instead of ending in shots that could be missed, that could go for rebound opportunities here. So all those things together just hurt Funk's defensive rebound opportunities. So we are projecting him for 2.8 rebounds with a 68% chance of staying under three and a half. I, this Penn State team, I look back at AM's game against Bama when they won by six at the end of the regular season and conference regular season play. And now Bama didn't have a great night shooting it, but to your point, a, a volume three-point shooting team in AM, they, they did have only six offensive rebounds in the game, but their pace of play is what I felt kept uh, Bama in check and also AM top 70 rebounding team in the country this year. Buzz Williams will not allow the funk to uh, continue. All right, good stuff. Looking forward to that one, the funk. In the West region, Northwestern and Boise State, we got an overplay from Kerner. Yes, we got an overplay. Uh, I'm going Chibuzo. Agbo for Boise State over four and a half rebounds at minus 110. Uh, so he's only cleared this in 40% of conference games. But there are three factors just based on this matchup that should lead to way more rebound chances than he typically sees. Uh, so the first reason is, you know, Northwestern is very good at not turning the ball over. They have the 12th lowest turnover rate. In the nation, so, you know, more of their possessions will result in a shot attempt and potential uh, rebound opportunity. Uh, the second is they also tend to get to the free throw line at a lower rate. So, again, we're, you know, they're not going to be shooting free throws, more likely to have a possession that ends in a field goal attempt and a miss. And third, and probably the most important factor, Northwestern is a awful shooting team. They rank 320th in Division One in effective Field goal percentage, I think that far down, we should rename it ineffective field goal percentage. They also shoot threes at a high rate. So we should see a brick fest here. Um, all these factors should lead to Agbo seeing more rebound chances. And that's why we're projecting him closer to 5.6 boards uh, with a 65% chance of clearing four and a half. 
again, talking matchup, I guess the only concern here would be Northwestern just having a better shooting night. When you make shots, you can't rebound the basketball. Fair point. Uh, Boise State has allowed uh, the 29th lowest three-point percentage, so maybe that'll help cool them off a bit. But usually it doesn't take much to cool off uh, Northwestern shooting. And they're bottom third of the country in in rebounding. Northwestern overall, minus two rebounding margin for the season. So Agbo on the glass for uh, Kerner. That's his third pick. Giffen's got one more for us. What do you have? Yeah, uh, uh, we're going to a Friday game here. So we turn on the page from Thursday over to Friday. And I'm going to take Logan Johnson for St. Mary's under 17 and a half points against VCU. You can get this at minus 120. And I love this prop, much like that Drew Pember under. I'm going to take you through a similar you know, math here uh, that Kerner did for this point total under. So if we if we just look at the you know his his points that he scored this year and some basic team totals and some minute stats, that'll get us to a 14.7 point projection. I'll take you through the math there. The Gales have scored 71.2 points per game this year. But in this game against VCU, a slower paced team, a great defensive team, they have just a 63 and a half implied team total. So down eight full points almost from their uh, you know season long average. And then we're being kind of generous here to Logan Johnson. He's played 85% of the minutes this year. We're actually projecting him for 95% of the minutes. So we are bumping up his, his usage here, his overall minutes, and still getting to that 14.7 point average projection here from his 16.4 points per game he has averaged this year. Then we add in some matchup level factors. There's nothing that's like super major here in terms of like very specific things, but a few little things add up to lower it from 14.7 to 14.5. But most notably, VCU's defensive style forces teams to play really slow offensively. They rank 252nd in the nation in defensive pace of play, meaning uh, you know a bigger number being slower. And St. Mary's is 359th in offensive pace of play. So there's going to be really long possessions for St. Mary's. And one other little factor here, uh, I know 538, they've done some research uh, that east to west travel uh, or west to east travel matters a lot more than north to south travel in the tournament. Well, St. Mary's coming from the West Coast, playing all the way over on the East Coast here in Albany and a 2 p.m. Eastern time game. That's 11 a.m. for their Pacific time body clock. So it uh, could be a little bit of a, maybe an issue there as well. So that's why we have Logan Johnson projected for 14 and a half points, which is well under that 17 and a half. In three of their final uh, five games this regular season, VCU was holding their opponents under 60 points. They're, they're, they've been a popular pick, too, just talking mm-hmm. uh, talking money line. Their, their money line number is shortening throughout the course of the week. That's a 12-5 matchup where folks do like the dog and St. Mary's being exposed by Gonzaga. The game at the Zags to close the regular season, the WCC championship game. Okay, good stuff. VCU taking on St. Mary's Logan Johnson of the Gales under 17 and a half points. Fellas, I think it's safe to say that as this first round continues, you may or you you may have more for we'll as props are Absolutely concerned. have a ton. We're off to a good start. We're one and one on the ones we have played together so far yes. in this tournament. Okay. Well, that is your opening round March Madness player props episode here on the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. You can find Sean Kerner and Nick Giffen individually 
And you can find them both on the Action Network website. Also find them in the app. Don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app to follow these guys and their picks throughout the tournament. Best of luck, everybody. Enjoy Thursday to Sunday opening round, round of 32 action. We will see you next week for sure to get you set for the Sweet 16 games middle of next week for another Player Props episode. For Sean Carter, Nick Giff, and Brendan Glasheen, we'll see you next time on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.